from reviews, Disney feature length films, short cartoons, we bought VHS tapes, every title we could, Disney is our business, business is good. Oh my god, was that your stomach? Probably. But you just ate. <laughs> and I'm digesting. That's how my body works. You're a loud digester. My body's getting down to business. <laughs> digesting tacos. Yeah. Those are some bomb-ass tacos. <laughs> I, didn't like, th- I didn't think so. Those are like the tacos that I want after like a night of drinking. Not that I drank last night. So they're substandard? Yeah. <laughs> they okay. taste really good when you're hungover. Okay. Basically, just throw some taco meat in some shells. Toss some cheese on that shit and bake it. So this is Kevin and Stephanie's fucking <laughs> pseudo-Mexican baking tips. Just kidding. They're very authentic. This is just the tip, but the tip is, this is Let's Get Down to Business. That's Stephanie. I'm Kevin, and this is Disney Mediocrity. Disney is our business. And business is mediocre. <laughs> well, we have surpassed 30 episodes yeah, I think that's pretty good. We're in it for the long and haul I haven't, now. And I haven't killed you yet. It's like 30 weeks. 30 weeks. I'm just saying. <laughs> what? Uh, 30 weeks. That's more than half a year. Yeah. For those of you counting at home. <laughs> yeah. How many months is that? Uh, let's see here. Probably about nine. nine. A little over nine. Or so, no, not not quite nine. So if this was my baby, I have, I'm about to give birth to this podcast. I mean, it could come early. It could, it could be premature. <laughs> Hi, you guys. But here, 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 let's get down to business. We always come on time. <laughs> I was going to say prematurely. Oh, no. God. I'm speaking for you, babe. Yeah, I guess. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Uh, so we have a short. Do we? A short. Today. Is that like our formula? Oh, uh, our short today is Grand Canyon Scope. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. What's that all What's about? A canyon Scope. <laughs> our short includes Donald Duck. Yeah. Which Shockingly. He has a theme song. What? Yeah. You didn't notice the song at the beginning? No. It's the same song that played on our last Donald Duck short. He has his own song. Oh, I did not notice that. <laughs> yeah, listen to the lyrics next time because it's about like who's so well tempered, <laughs> who's such a great guy, but who's just who just has bad luck. It's Donald Duck. Did Donald Duck write those lyrics? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's some nice guy shit. This came out in 1954. It's about six minutes and 51 seconds long. See, I feel like when you say the minutes and the seconds, you shouldn't say about. It's six minutes because and 51 seconds long. some of the videos on YouTube are like six minutes and 47 seconds. Well, why, why wouldn't you say it's around seven minutes long? Just round up. Because this is what I found. Okay. All right. <laughs> About seven seconds is like, or seven. seven minutes is like seven minutes and one second. Okay. Or six minutes no. and 59 seconds. No. Yeah. You've never heard of rounding up? <laughs> You know, the other day, there was something budget-wise. Yeah. I rounded down and you rounded up, and I was like, hmm, that's probably why I always underestimate how much things cost. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why. You always err on the side of caution where I'm like, eh, there's still some money left. Suck it! Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this short, Grand Canyon Scope, was Disney's second cartoon to be filmed in CinemaScope. What the fuck is that? I don't know. You made it sound like you knew what it was earlier. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll put that in there. Well, that's a fact. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the people that love Disney know what CinemaScope is. Is it widescreen? Because it did seem like it fit our TV better this yeah. time around. Yeah. Uh, there is a CinemaScope joke in the short, too. Did you catch mm-hmm. that? Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, this short was produced to accompany uh, Disney's first CinemaScope film, Kevin. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Yeah. Never seen it. <laughs> Me either. It's supposed to be good. Uh... Probably not, but you never know. Oh, I feel like people reference it a lot. Yeah, probably just because of the book. Yeah. So Donald Duck has this theme song that we start with. And then they show him at the Grand Canyon with a tourist guide and a bunch of tourists. And they're all kind of like huddled up around the tour guide. And a Sterling Holloway. Oh, is it? Yeah, the voice. I didn't even catch it this time. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. We'll look that up. Uh, I'm telling you. 
But anyway, they're all crowded around him, and he's like, you guys, spread out. We're in CinemaScope. And so the people kind of spread out into one long horizontal line. He pretty much just gives some facts about the Grand Canyon, and then he says that the Grand Canyon is a mile deep. So, of course, Donald Duck feels like he needs to throw a rock into the canyon. Yeah, and... As he does it, the tour guide has, like, a net, and he catches the rock, and he's like, no, no, if everyone threw rocks into the Grand Canyon, we wouldn't have a canyon anymore. And that's, like, the joke. And this starts up the whole short, which is going to be Donald doing bad things. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? So, yeah, so first he threw rocks. Then he goes over to a Native American who's doing a sand painting, Mm -hmm. like a Navajo He tries to, you know. Do a little salt bay bullshit. Yeah, sprinkle some sand on his shit. And the tour guide comes over and is like, no, no, don't bother the Americans. And then he's, Donald Duck finds a rain dance costume, <laughs> kind of like a... Oh, it's just like a getup. It has the, uh, it the outfit like, and a mask. Yeah, it looks like a Kachina doll type outfit. Yeah. Yeah. My mom used to collect this. <laughs> Um, so he puts it on and starts dancing and it starts raining and the tour guide's like you again. And then he takes the costume off of him and it stops raining. Yeah. Yeah. Then Donald Duck finds an area that says like Echo Canyon and he sneezes and then he like gazoon heights himself. And then all the gags that you would normally see in a Grand Canyon type cartoon. Basically. The best part though is when the donkey comes in. (laughs) So they are going to take their tour into the canyon. They're going to climb down. And so they ride on these little burrows. And Donald gets like this really tiny one. And he asks the tour guide to take a picture of him. But he (laughs) flashes the donkey in his eyes with the camera flash. And his eyes turn into like little pinpricks. And (laughs) And he can't can't see see anything. anything. So he is... It's like stumbling around the canyon like he's drunk. Like a drunk donkey. Like a drunk ass. Yeah, drunk ass. You drunken ass. And, uh, so they're kind of making their way, jumping around different, like, rock formations. Yeah. Formations, yeah, sculptures. Man. Yeah. I'm such an art teacher. God sculpted the Grand Canyon. <sighs> Don't give me sorry, Yes, he though, did. Yes, Apparently, he did. God made the sky blue. Yeah. Whatever. You're everything, boys. Sorry, that's something from earlier in the week. <laughs> but yeah, so Donald Duck ends up back, but he doesn't have his donkey. He, like, fell off his yeah. donkey into the next. Level below. Hmm. And his tour guide is like, where's your donkey? You can't leave your burrow behind. You can't. You have to have your donkey with you. So they go back to go find him, and they see his tail sticking out of a cave. And so the tour guide's like, come on, donkey. And he, like, grabs his tail and pulls him out. And he's like, oh, this looks like a lion. Well, we haven't had lions in this area since the Civil War. And (laughs) And then the lion just pulls out a fucking Civil War cap and puts it on. And he's like, a pretty nice little gag. And then the mountain lion chases them all over the Grand Canyon. And they end up in some, like, Pueblo houses with the ladders. Yeah. And Donald Duck, like, climbs on top of the ladder. And then Pulls it up. Yeah, he pulls it up so they run inside the building. And then he puts the ladder down. Yeah, because obviously you can't break through a fucking ladder. (laughs) (laughs) When they run out, their necks catch on the ladder. Yeah. So then you have all three of them swinging around on ladders, which is knocking down the rock formation. Yeah, apparently, yeah, swinging around on ladders and being people is enough weight to destroy all these rocks. (laughs) Yeah. That was a mountain lion, man. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty strong. But yeah, because they're causing all these rocks to fall and whatnot, everyone's fleeing the canyon, and out comes people and animals and a dinosaur. (laughs) And basically, there's just rubble around them, and they have ruined the canyon. Yeah, they filled it up. (laughs) And the tour guide is like, well, the National Parks Guide says if you ruin it, you have to build it again. And so he hands them a couple shovels, and they start digging. digging. That's it. Yeah. Donald Duck has ruined a fucking national treasure. So if you didn't know this, back in the 1950s, Donald Duck ruined the Grand Canyon and then he dug it out again. So we have him to thank for what is now our current day Grand Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just eh. It felt really fast. Like, there wasn't a ton that happened, but it was just a Donald Duck short. Yeah, wasn't really a lot to speak of. Like the mountain lion stuff was funny, but yeah, the mountain lion. When you put on the was it a Confederate hat or mm-hmm. a Yankee hat? I don't recall. It was blue. Did that matter? Yeah, either blue or like a gray. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you like shorts very much. I mean, I don't have a problem with them, but this one just didn't really stick out to me that much. I don't know. I thought this was one of the funnier Donald Duck ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've seen like I said before, one. low bars. Sure. <laughs> Speaking of low bars, what? 
We're in the Disney fucking the dark dead, age. Yeah, the dead period. The dark ages. We're in the now, dark see, ages for a few more movies. Yeah. We were talking earlier this week about this a little bit, mm-hmm. and I don't really understand how they classify some of these movies and like where the cutoff point is and how they determine how that was. Yeah, because it starts with Aristocats, yeah. but... Which sucks. Sucks balls. Uh, well, yeah, because the Dark Ages are the bad movies. Well... But Jungle Book and Robin Hood yeah. was before... Or was Robin Hood before it? It uh, was Jungle Book and 101? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, 101, Jungle Book, and then Aristocats. Yeah. And so, quality-wise, this whole xerography era, like, Jungle Book is xerography. Mm-hmm. 101 Dalmatians was the beginnings of it. Yeah. Aristocats is xerography, so why is Aristocats the beginning of the Dark Ages? Yeah. Why not Jungle Book? Exactly. Or why exactly. not 101? Because... Huh, 101 is pretty good. Yeah. But, like, I would think Jungle Book is where it would start. Yeah, I would think so. And then it doesn't end until 1988, like, just before The Little Mermaid. Yeah. So, but... I feel like, it, I feel like it's cherry-picking. Because like, I wonder, like, did they, did they think this stuff back when it was actually going on? No. And then, like, when The Little Mermaid came out, where they're like, oh, fuck yeah, finally, we're, we're out of it. Or or did it take a while after The Little Mermaid was released, and then they'd released a couple of other films, I like The Lion King and things like that, and Aladdin, before they said, oh, shit, no, we're actually back now. No, so I think when Little Mermaid finally hit, it was such a massive success. Yeah. And they're returning to the princess formula, and more, like... Of a musical, where there's musical numbers. I suppose. And then, so that was so successful. And then the next one is Beauty and the Beast, which is, again, the music on yeah. it is just so renowned. And then you have Aladdin, and then you get Lion King, and it's just hit after hit. Like, huge blockbuster hits. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but what I don't get is, so you have, like, the Golden Age, where there's Fantasia, and I don't particularly like Fantasia. Like, I get you have... But you can at least see it for the contributions... Yeah, uh, and the quality. And then when I look at, like, the Silver Age, there's all some movies in the Silver Age that are not good, yeah. which is Alice in Wonderland, because yeah. I hate that movie. But <laughs> I don't know. So, because even now in the Dark Ages, I'll say, what I was saying to you was, I, this doesn't feel as much of a chore to get through as the package film era. No, not at all. Yeah. No, we thought that this almost this entire way through. Like, they were, yeah. at least, even if we didn't really love the movies, there were redeeming qualities about them. Where I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, can, I can see why somebody would like this. Because I would say the package era is like the Dark Ages. That's the one where you're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Another one of these yeah. movies? Ugh. Whereas this is like, they're, they've been mediocre to decent. Yeah. So... Anyway, Fox and the Hound. So, yeah, speaking of mediocre. No. Say, where is it going to fall between mediocre and decent? Yeah. <laughs> so, Fox and the Hound was released in 1981. It's loosely based on a novel of the same name by Daniel P. Mannix. Mm-hmm. Pixie Dream Girl. <laughs> I didn't read anything about the novel, so I don't know. Yeah. It's loosely based, when, though, so I can imagine yeah, it's when different. You, when, when you say loosely based, I, I usually assume that uh, the it's, title. it's a complete bastardization <laughs> of whatever the, uh, the source material was. And especially with something like this, if it's a children's movie, I'm sure that the, that the original Fox and the Hound was much more graphic, I, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Um, this is the 24th animated feature film. So, 24. This movie stars some notable names. Really? Really. <laughs> you do that so well. Why? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, so, we have Mickey Rooney, who was in Peach Dragon. Yep. We have Pearl Bailey, who is an African-American actress. And she, I just want to say, because it's awesome, she won a Tony Award for being in an all-black production of Hello, Dolly. Oh, okay. That's fucking cool. <laughs> um, and then the other notable name was Kurt Russell. That's right. I didn't know Jack, Kurt Russell. Oh, Jack Burton. How old was he at this point? 1981? What other films was he in? Oh, uh, God, I don't even remember. Because it's... Like, I, don't, I don't think that he had started the, uh, the big portion of his film yeah. acting career. I could be wrong on that, because I think the thing... Was like 1982. Well, because it said no. So he he had to have been decently aged by this point. Yeah, it said he used to be a Disney child star. He was. He was. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> when I think Kurt Russell, I think of that stupid movie with Goldie Hawn, Overboard. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's Kurt Russell, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. They were yeah. married for a while. They're actually still married, I believe. Really? Yeah. Wow. No one ever talks about that relationship. <laughs> anyway. So the budget is twelve million. 
Holy shit. I mean, yeah. That's, that's the biggest budget so far for an animated movie. Inflation. And also probably paying the uh, the voice actors. That's what I wondered is if it's because now they're getting into the part where they're starting to choose celebrities yeah. for voice acting. So there's a lot of production notes for this, and I apologize. Why? For having a lot of production notes or that I'm apologizing? No, I feel like that's a good thing if you have notes on it because you're giving more insight into what the fucking movie I is. I just thought the making of this movie had a lot of interesting things going on at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So we have Wolf Reitherman who directed The Wolf Jungle Gang. Gang. This shortened it to Wolf, Wolf. Gang. <laughs> Wolf Gang Reitherman. I'm not going to Wolf Puck's restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he had directed, you know, Jungle Book. I believe Fucking everything. Cats. Yeah. yeah. Like, every, like produced after a lot of stuff. Yeah. Disney died. He did so much for the company. Yep. He found this story. Um, he read it. He found it endearing because his son had had a pet fox. It goes into production starting around 1977. Originally, Fox and the Hounds. Oh, but okay. they just decided to keep the two main characters. And so just one hound. There ended up being a power struggle um, with Reitherman and Art Stevens, who were the co-directors. So between them and co-producer Ron Miller. Yeah. Miller is the guy who's like, we need things fresh and young and bleh. So he wants Reitherman to let the new, younger animators handle this movie. Yeah. And Reitherman's like, no, I have a direction for this. Yeah. Obviously, he's the co-director. I have a vision. He has a vision. <laughs> and part of that... Was, you know, they had... Like he, key, he had, key plot points yeah. that were like sources of contention between them. He had an idea of what he wanted to do with the dog Chief, yep. for example. And the newer animators wanted to take it in a whole different direction, yep. and they fought over that. The other thing Reitherman wanted was a song called Scooby Dooby Dooby Doo, Let Your Body Turn Goo, <laughs> which would have been sung by Phil Harris and fucking Charo. Charo. So, oh, excuse me. Charo. 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 So by Baloo. Yeah. And fucking Charo. And Charo. <laughs> are you serious? I mean, like, seeing this movie, if you guys are at all familiar with it, it just would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Like, Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And that's what the animators were telling yeah. me. They were like, no, this doesn't fit in the movie. Yeah. It, like, where does it go? It doesn't even fit with the theme or the tone of the movie. Just absolutely Well, Scooby-Doo is a fucking dog, and so is the hound, you moron. So obviously it'll fit. Yeah, did Scooby-Doo come before this? or It had to be before. Oh, absolutely. It was in the 70s, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, how the fuck did you expect to get that through, bro? Like, Yeah. <laughs> so, eventually... And this is this is according to a book. So the book is called According to Drawing the Line, The Untold Story of Animation Unions from Bosco to Bart Simpson. Nice. Okay? So this is the book. I love that title. The book says, Reitherman later walked into Art Stevenson's office, slumped in a chair, and said, I don't know, Art. Maybe this is a young man's medium. And then he later moved on <laughs> to undeveloped projects such as Catfish Bend, and then he died in a car accident <laughs> in 1985. It's a very, you know, tied it up with a bow type of thing. I, know. I was trying not to laugh because it's so it's so awful. Yeah, it's but serious. just the way this sentence it's a run on sentence, first yeah. of all. But it just goes on to being like, I don't know, just hand the reins over to some young men and then he died. Well, you know, hand the reins over to some young men and then later move on to undeveloped projects, which mean they probably sucked and then die in a car accident. Yeah, that's so sad. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Art Stevens, rest in peace. I assume that was Wolf, Wolfgang Retherman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Well, Art Stevens is probably dead, too. So Art, Art Stevens is talking to himself and then fucking dying in a car accident? Anyway. <laughs> so this is the last film to have any involvement of Disney's Nine Old Men. Okay. So really? The, the Nine Old Men are all the nine original yeah. main animators. So Peach, they worked on Peach Dragon. Yep. They worked on Rescuers. Yep. Okay. This is the last one because early production of Fox and the Hound, they retired. Yep. So that's it. Now we have this new class of animators who are going to be responsible for the Disney Renaissance. You, you may have heard of a couple of them. A few of them. I don't know. <laughs> so these, these animators were all trained in an in-house Disney animation program. We have John Lasseter, who Ooh. we're not going to talk about anymore. John Musker. Ron Clements. Glenn Keane. Our Lord and Savior Glenn Keane. Tim Burton. Brad Bird. Henry Selleck, Chris Buck, and Mark Dindle. Why did you go so quickly through the last three? Because I don't know who they are. <laughs> John Lasseter, uh, Brad Bird obviously started Pixar. Yeah. John Musker and Ron Clements are huge for The Little Mermaid and all the Renaissance movies. 
Tim Burton, obviously, he went on to do his own thing. And Glenn Keane is a fucking master yeah, of his say. craft. And, and then the last three are like the Wills Portacios of Image Comics. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who they are. I'll have to look them up. Yeah. Seriously, watching Glenn Keane draw in real time yeah. makes me want to cry. <laughs> it's amazing. His understanding... <laughs> Ever since I've turned 30, when I see how talented people are, and like, oh my god, somebody made this, I start crying. (laughs) Whether it's a music or a painting or a movie, oh my god, I'm like losing it. What even is wrong? Anyway, Glenn Keane's fucking. (laughs) His understanding of push and pull and weight when it comes to animation is fucking ridiculous. Anyway. Couple more production notes. Yeah, because you guys can't get enough of it. And honestly, like I enjoy this stuff. I'll let you read this next one because it's it's up your alley. Yeah, Um, from Wikipedia, of course, you know, because that's how (laughs) people get their information. That's how deeply I dig. (laughs) Uh, Don Bluth and the new animators felt that Reitherman was too stern and out of touch. And on his 42nd birthday in 1979, Bluth, along with Gary Goldman and John Pomeroy, entered Ron Miller's office and turned in their resignation. <laughs> Following their resignations, 13 animators followed suit in the resignations. And though Bluth and his team had not uh, or had animated substantial scenes, they asked not to receive screen credit. That is fucking hardcore. That's weird. Yeah. Is that like revisionist history? Like, oh, I, that's you kind know, of what I was wondering. Don didn't want credit, or maybe, I don't know. That's so no, weird. I, no, I think that's just a baller ass move. It's like, no, we did a fucking substantial amount of work on this, but like, you don't want to go along with all of our vision for the film, so I don't want my fucking name on it. Yeah. That's how I feel. Because, I mean, it, it's like it, he, like it went a different way than they wanted. Yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, directly after this, those guys formed, you know, I think like Don Bluth. Uh, productions or animation studios or whatever yeah. it was, and actually made some of their own stuff. Which didn't last long, but he ended up teaming up with Steven Spielberg and has some huge hits. Yeah, he fucking them. made The Secret of Nim, I think, next year. Yeah. In, ni- in 1982. <laughs> next year, you know, 2020. No, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, the, the following year. So after, now, after this was made. now 17% of their animators are gone. Yeah. Okay. That is fucking substantial. <laughs> so Miller ordered all the resigning animators off the studio lot by noon. You want to quit? Get gone. Yeah. Okay? The same day, they had to be gone. Later, they would push the release of Fox and the Hound from 1980 to 1981. And then the new new animators were hired and promoted to fill ranks. So to compensate for the lack of experience for these new guys, a lot of the quality control would be done by, like, veteran assistant animators. Yeah. Assistant yeah. animators. Yeah. Not even the main animators. So they're handing it off, like, yeah, to Team B. <laughs> Because of all this, this movie took four years. Yeah. Because remember, he started production in 77. <laughs> wow. Whoops. Wow. Let's see how it ended up. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Actually, dive into the actual movie. <laughs> For all of you that, that just skipped like 10 minutes. <laughs> so, with this tape, 1994. Yep. I believe this is the first VHS release. Really? Yes. Okay. And notice it had a preview for The Lion King in its early stages. Yeah. Because I was telling you, and you don't believe me, but I'm telling you because I know this movie like the back of my hand, those songs weren't the final cut songs. <laughs> they were like alternative versions of those same songs. Yeah. yeah. But we get to see some behind the scenes and go into like the story of The Lion King. That was our only preview. Thank God. No Aladdin. No Aladdin. Prince of Thieves. It's gone. It's done. Prince of Thieves? King of Thieves. Excuse me. (laughs) My bad. He's not Robin. Robin Hood. I die for (laughs) you. I love you. <laughs> I, I now I now want to see Kevin Costner in, a, in an Aladdin straight-to-video movie. <laughs> All right. So we have the credits. It starts off really dark, really quiet. I'm fucking down. I was I was digging the shit out of this. Yeah, you just hear like kind of like crickets. Yeah, it's not, it sounds like forest noises. It's going over like a moving shot of the landscape yep. and the colors. And then barking starts to pick up. You hear barking in yep. the background. And then this fox mom pops up with her baby in its mouth that she's scruffing. And the serious music starts, and she's, like, running for her life. And now it's Bambi. Yeah, and then it becomes Bambi. (laughs) So she runs, and she puts the fox baby down by a fence post, and she takes off. Who leaves her fucking child? I mean, honestly, what are you even doing? She can't get away with him in her mouth. Yes, she can. She was hiding him. She tried really hard. She takes off, and she goes over like a little hill, and then we hear gunshot. Yep. And that's it. 
Yeah, so she she committed a bunch of murders, and she's on the run to this day, and the fox will never know his <laughs> fucking mother. Monstrous. So Those poor hunters. Back to the baby that's <laughs> by the fence post. We have an owl who sees all this going on. Why didn't she intervene? She could have swooped at the fucking hunter's face. That is a horrible idea. Do you want to get shit? Does Big Mama want to get shot? You can't shoot an owl. <laughs> She'll fucking tear your eyes out. If this movie will tell us anything... Not being able to shoot something will not stop certain hunters from doing that work. <laughs> anyway, so Big Mama sees the baby, and she's just talking to him, like, oh, you poor thing, and trying to figure out what she's going to do with him. Yeah. And that's when the Arquan and Tweety Bird pop up. <laughs> I don't know their What are their names? What? <laughs> the two birds. Uh, There's the woodpecker and yeah. then, like, the little bird. Yeah. I don't know. Arquan and Tweety Bird. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> So, well, one of them is the fucking voice of Tigger. Yeah, he is. And he is not changing the voice up at all. <laughs> oh, but I'm a woodpecker, so it's okay. Oh, my God. I just don't like him. No, I don't. I don't know him personally. I don't like him. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, so they help out the Big Mama Owl by going to the little cottage or house that's right there. Yeah, it's a house. And the woodpecker knocks on the door and the old lady whose name is... The Widow. Widow Tweed. Widow Tweed. <laughs> is, that, is that her status or her name? Uh, <laughs> I would imagine it's her status, most likely. Okay. I don't so, think anybody names their daughter Widow. So, Black Widow. No. Her first name is Black. And her last name is Widow. <laughs> <laughs> so, Widow Tweed opens the door and she and sees... And I know her real name, you guys. Don't fucking... Don't come at me. <laughs> What? The Black Widow. Oh. Yeah. You're our, you're our expert comic book uh-huh. expert. Yeah. So, lady, damn it, Kevin. Lady Tremaine. Widow Tweed <laughs> opens the door. And as she does this, Big Mama the Owl. I feel weird just calling her Big Mama. Yeah, it t- takes her to the house. Big Mama. Martin Lawrence shows up. Grabs her laundry off the line. Yeah. And, like, flies away. Starts fucking with her, uh... What are they even called? Like britches? I don't yeah, like know. Pantaloons. pantaloons. So, lady, god damn it, Widow Tweed, Tweed. I'm gonna call her Tweed. Tweed runs out there, chase the owl, and Big Mama drops her laundry on top of the fox. The fox. Yeah, and that's how great song Widow Tweed finds her. So what? 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 The fox. The fox. It's a Slater Kenny song. So she finds him and she says, you're just like a toddler. And that way we get his name. Todd. Todd. <laughs> you guys, Kevin's sister had a boyfriend named Todd. <laughs> and Kevin would only ever say it that way. <laughs> Kevin, please inform the listeners why you say it that way. It's a George Carlin bit. <laughs> only dumb shitheads are named Todd. <laughs> With names like Todd and Tucker and Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Todd. Oh, t- <laughs> I can't even do it that way. <laughs> so she takes in Todd. May he rest in peace. She's bottle feeding him. And so as this is going on, next door, there is not even a house. It's like a shack. Yeah, it's a shanty. Yeah. Owned by an old man named Amos. Amos Slade. Yeah, Amos Slade. Amos Slade. With a sick-ass So if mustache. someone's going to name their child Amos Slade, they're not going to name their child Widow Tweed. No. We're in the country, baby. That does, that does not matter. country. Okay. She's my daughter, Widow. <laughs> so, Amos Slade yeah. arrives home to his dog, Chief, <laughs> who I looked at Chief and I was like, is that Tramp's real dad? No. Yeah. No, it's not. He looks really similar. Give me a break. But Amos has brought home, brought, brought home? A puppy. A puppy. Oh, no. A puppy for Chief. He basically is like, here, Chief, here's this puppy. Now you raise him. Yeah, train him. Yeah. Train him up, right. I, didn't, I don't know if that's how that works, but. Uh, I this, guess we'll figure it out. This puppy, who's going to be copper, has the cutest puppy wrinkles. <laughs> oh, my God. I have such a soft spot for hounds. Uh, I just tagged you in a Facebook post oh, of God. a hound puppy that's up for adoption. Wrinkles, babe. I'm going to kick it. Wrinkles, big ear. Don't I'm, kick puppies. I'm going to kick it. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys. 
Anyway, Chief is like, ah, this puppy. But then he's also voiced by the sheriff of Not or Rottingham or Nottingham. <laughs> Rottingham. Um, I mean, it was. It was. So Chief lays down and is kind of annoyed by this puppy until this puppy curls up next Aww. to him. And then, and then we get the endearing moment where he's like, see, oh, I guess. He's uh. a big softy. Okay. Next day, Widow Tweed is milking some cows. <laughs> And uh, this scene is one that was done by Don Bluth. Okay. Yep. So this scene here where she, the whole milking cow scene and then the car chase after. Yeah. So she's milking the cows and she gives Todd some of the milk and then a ruckus happens because Todd is playing with the chickens. The chickens aren't playing with him. <laughs> and uh, she basically kicks him out of the barn and makes him go outside to play. And he talks. Oh. Yeah. Well. And Boomer, that's his name. The Tigger Bird. Yeah. Boomer is out there. And he and the little bird are chasing a caterpillar, which yeah. is a recurring theme throughout the movie. Yep. Okay. So, meanwhile, I wrote Chief equals Sheriff. <laughs> uh, because he's a Sheriff Nottingham. Yes, he is. Okay. So, meanwhile, we have Chief and Copper at their barrels because they're tied up to yeah. barrels out in the yard. Yeah. They're like half buried. Yeah. Copper's not tied up, though, because he's still a baby. He smells something. And Chief is like, ah, oh, that's just, you know, the owner making grits or yeah. bacon fat or whatever he said. And Copper's like, no, it's something different. So he wanders off. And then he ends up meeting up with Todd. Todd. <laughs> and as he approaches Todd, he lets out a little howl. Yeah. And he's like, I smell you. <laughs> Very cute. We should also mention by this point that Young Copper is voiced by Corey Feldman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's dead now, right? No. Corey Feldman? No, Corey Haim is dead. Oh. Corey Feldman is still alive. What does Corey Feldman do? And uh, he makes albums. Oh, did he do Bible movies? No. That's Kirk Cameron. Oh, okay. Corey Feldman was like in the Ninja Turtles and also a bunch of other things. I've never seen Ninja Turtles. God damn it. Really? I probably did, but I was like three, so I don't remember it. Okay, we're going to get you to watch the original. Okay. It's actually very okay. good. Well, first we got Disney movies. N- nevertheless. Copper and Todd play hide and seek. And it's very cute. <laughs> and Big Mama sings Best of Friends. And they're best friends. <laughs> um, Amos calls Copper to come home. And so he does, and he's sad because he wants to keep playing. And then they show like the next time as the singing montage is going on. Yeah. That he sneaks past Chief as Chief is sleeping. Yep. Because Chief pretty much all he does is sleep. Yeah, he's an old lazy piece of shit. Who's tied to a barrel. Yeah. Um, so he sneaks off and they're like playing and they're swimming in like a little pond. And it's so cute. <laughs> I'm going to say cute like a thousand times. Uh-huh. I need a puppy. No, you don't. Oh, I need a puppy. You do not need oh, one. Oh, I need a puppy. Anyway. So he gets called back again by Amos. And so when Todd goes again to go find him, he finds out that he's tied up. Yeah. Yeah. So Copper is now tied up because he keeps wandering off. (laughs) So Todd is like, oh, who's this other guy here? And he starts to creep inside Chief's barrel because Chief is sleeping and having a dream. But then he wakes up and chases after Todd with his barrel still attached. (laughs) He's dragging it all over. And this is when we get the car chase scene that Don Bluth also animated. Mm Mm-hmm. Where um, Amos Lee comes out and is shooting at him. And then Todd jumps into Widow Tweed's car. So Amos gets in his car and is like driving down after her. And he's shooting at her. Mm. How many bullets are in a shotgun? Because holy shit. (laughs) It shouldn't be that many. Yeah, he like never reloaded. Yeah. Anyway, he finally catches up because she like slams on her brake. Amos has that secret tech. (laughs) He's got a bump stock. He's He's got a government contract. Widow Tweed ends up like just yelling at him, like yeah, and that's that, that's all it takes, like you know. Idiot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we see them again, Amos and Chief and Copper, when he's packing up his vehicle because it's hunting season. You're damn right. And we know it's hunting season because it's fall, and then it turns into winter, and we do that whole quick yep scene transition yeah. between the seasons. As it's winter, they are in the woods, and you see Copper's like. A little too eager hunting mm-hmm. down stuff. He's kind of flushing things out too fast. Yeah. But then he ends up becoming a really good hunting dog. Meanwhile, 
the birds are trying to tell Todd, like, well, Copper's a hunting dog, and he's your mortal enemy. <laughs> so you might want to stop. Yeah, so stop waiting around for him and pining for him. Spring comes. Okay. <laughs> and they've we, grown. They've grown. And we see Copper comes back with Chief and Amos, and there's a whole pile of skins in the back of the yeah. truck. Okay? So now we know he's for real. Okay? <laughs> Todd sneaks over. For real? <laughs> Todd sneaks over to see Copper, like, hey, we're still best friends, right? Yeah. And Copper's like, hey, I like you, but sorry, bro, I'm a hunting dog. Yeah. So, You're going to get me in trouble. Yeah. And this is where we have... We, we can't see each other anymore. This is where we have Kurt Russell. Yep. And... Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Yes. Okay. Are the two main leads. As they're speaking to each other. Yeah. Kurt Russell and Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Chief wakes up. Yeah. And we have yet another, like, chase. Chase, yeah. Yeah. Because he alerts Amos Slade and he comes out with his gun. Yep. And tries to go after him. And they end up, because he, like, lets Chief loose to go after him. He lets both the dogs loose. And they chase him up, like, a hill. Yeah. It's like um, a hillside. There's some, like, railroad ties and beams mm-hmm. that are there, stacked there. And Todd runs under those to hide. Um, Copper corners him, but yep. then he's like, "Dude, you got to get out of here!" Yeah. Like, like this is. I'll, the, I'll lead him away, but like this I'll, is it for yeah, us. Yeah, I'll let you go this one time, and so he does. And so he goes and he howls somewhere else, and so Todd makes a run for it, but Chief catches him. Like yeah. he finds him and he chases after him, chases Todd onto some train tracks, like on, a train on, on like a bridge, a bridge, yeah. And he's got him cornered until a train comes, mm. and Todd jumps under the train tracks. Yep. But Chief gets hit by the train yeah. and, and fucking falls flies off. Yeah, the side into the river or the yep. bank below. Onto some fucking rocks. Copper sees it and runs down to Chief. Yeah. And he is pretty pissed. Yeah. And he blames Todd for some reason. Well, because yeah, he if he hadn't come, this wouldn't have happened. If he had just. Stayed home in his yeah. fucking hole. So this is the part where we had discussed earlier. Yeah, the dis- where this, the, the discrepancies happened between the creative teams. So Reitherman wanted Chief to stay alive. Yeah, he wanted it more lighthearted for kids mm-hmm. and easier to palate. But that was that was when you were starting to depart from the source material because yeah. in the book, Chief dies. Oh, does he? Yeah. Are you sure? That's that's what it said. Okay. Yeah. So the younger animators are like, no, we need to give Copper motivation to hate Todd. Yeah. So which we, makes sense. Yeah. So we need Chief to die in this yeah. scene. Like he, like he's dead. Like that's why Copper's so mad. And I wanted to ask you about this. Like in the, in the future Disney films, the ones that are more well regarded when you actually get to that age, they had like deaths, yeah, right? Yeah, Mufasa died. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe it wasn't you know on screen type of stuff. No. But like. Yeah, you're, you're giving your characters motivations, so I don't see what the problem was yeah, with I think killing Chief. Because even from, from here on, Chief doesn't do much. Yeah. And it gets a little dark. Like, the like when we get to the yeah. prison later, it gets pretty dark. But, yeah, I, I feel like this would have been an instance where, like, yeah, he should have yeah. killed him off. Yeah. I think it, it was. It was it felt like a half measure. Yeah. Kind of. So, to let you know that he's not dead, he just kind of slowly Opens his eyes. blinks his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I still thought that he was dead the first time. Like, even when he, because when he closed his eyes. Yeah, he, like, opens them I thought, and then slowly I thought, yeah. closes them. So when I saw him later, I was like, what? Yeah. Because basically what ends up happening is now he just has a cast on and limps around the house. Yeah. Whining for attention. Yeah. Which is probably what I would do. <laughs> yeah. Widow Tweed knows, like, she can't keep defending Todd or she yep. can't keep him around because of Amos. So she takes him to a game preserve and we have this really sad scene like, where she kind of like gives him away or, well, or takes takes his collar off. I and, thought like a song was going to happen, but instead it's like a spoken word poem. Yeah. Which is a little cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is, mm, eh. yeah. Babe. So she lets him go in the game preserve. Yeah. Okay. Because we know game preserves that that will stop a hunter. That's a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. We've never seen anyone go to Africa to a game preserve and hunt wild animals. No, it doesn't happen in the never. states. Okay. 
So it ends up raining and Todd's freaking out because he has no natural instinct whatsoever. Why would a tweet thought this was a good idea? I don't know. <laughs> so he's running around. Well, she's also the person that took a fucking wild fox in. So she probably doesn't have the best judgment I in mean, the first place. I mean, you can have foxes as pets. They you piss can, all over the place, You can literally though. buy them. You don't know that. Yes, they do. You train them because they're part of the canine family. They, they're not However, domesticated. from what I've heard, it's like having a puppy for life. That sounds awful. They're just so rambunctious. Right. Anyway, it's raining in the forest. Todd's freaking out, looking for shelter, and he ends up in a badger hole. <laughs> grumpy ass badger's like, get the fuck out. So legit. And so there's a hedgehog who is voiced by Piglet. Yeah. The voice of Piglet. Who's like, hey, buddy, you can come join me. How awesome it would be if it, if it was voiced by Piglet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds exactly yeah. the same as Piglet. No, I know. Um, so. I'm thinking the poo guys might not have much range. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You think they're on the cheaper end of the uh, voice actors? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. They couldn't afford Sterling Holloway for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we know that... Uh, Kevin's making Donald Trump hands at Because <laughs> I'm talking with my hands. So as that happened, Amos is getting ready to hunt Todd. He, he knows yeah. Widow Tweed dropped him off yeah. at the game preserve. And so he's getting his... Are they bear traps? Yeah, they're fucking awesome bear traps. Like the type that you would see in old ass cartoons where if you if you step on it, these jaws would clamp onto your leg. Yeah. Type of thing. So they're awesome. He's getting those he's ready. Awesome. Next morning, rain has stopped. And we have the hedgehog who's up in a tree with Todd. Mm-hmm. They like bunked for the night, like roomies. Yeah. Yeah. And uh like bachelors. And the hedgehog accidentally prickles Todd, which <laughs> makes him jump up yeah. and fall out of the tree. And then he falls back into the badger hole. Now Todd's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the end of the movie. Yep. He's pretty, I like, discouraged? I don't know. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Discouraged, disoriented. As this is happening, Big Mama is talking to a female fox named Vixie, and Big Mama decides she's going to pimp her out to Todd, basically. <laughs> yeah, because you can't have a story like this without injecting some of the shit into it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little Bambi-esque. Yeah, yeah. it's very, very much so. Yeah. She yeah, she just basically hooks Todd and Vixie up. Like yeah. he makes a fool out of himself. Manic Vixie dream girl. And then she's, dream fox. She basically is. Yeah. And then uh, she's like, Todd, just be yourself. And then they hit it off. And then, like the next moment, you see them. They're coming out of a den. Yep. Of sin. And yeah, and we talked about this lady in the tramp. They were absolutely fucking you guys. <laughs> they were just talking about how many kids she wanted. Yeah, she wants six. She was on that right away, you guys. Yeah, girls, you gotta like have a few dates before right? you start dropping those serious yeah. hints. Yeah. He's gonna fucking bail. That's like when I had a boyfriend every time, and I'd be like, I'm gonna marry this one. And you didn't? <laughs> you were the one dumb oh, enough to stick around. Son of a bitch. <laughs> And now I'm Even here. in like middle school and high school, this is like this is the negative effects of Disney princess movies. Is I thought everything was true love, and I was going to marry them and I live happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, it did not work out that way. Uh-huh. Said I got you. You son of a bitch. So Slade and Copper enter the preserve, and it says, "Do not enter. No hunting." He but bu- they do it anyway. Yeah, he busts out the wire cutters and cuts that shit anyway. <laughs> He's like, "Bro, I'm getting in here. I got a fox to kill." Um, they put down the traps, which later. Todd ends up, like, why do they go through this scary part of the forest? And how big is this preserve that Todd ends up where he set those traps? I don't know. It might not be very big. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was like, they found him pretty quick. Yeah. So, well, I guess Copper was sniffing him out. True. Todd and Vixie end up at this scary part of the forest. Little do they know that the traps are set there. Fuck yeah, they are. And Todd slowly creeps in, and he sets off a trap, and he jumps up, and all the traps... Yeah, like, like he's he's running away, but he manages to not hit any of these traps, even though they're all activating. Yeah, they all like jump up, snap in the air shut, and snap. Um, those things are so awesome. Copper and Slater after them. Uh, he tells Vixie to get to like higher ground. The, no, the den. Oh yeah, yeah, the den. And so he thinks he's pretty much like escaped them. So he runs to the den, except Copper's on his tail. Literally. Yeah. And so Copper is like digging at the den, trying to get in. Like barking this entire time, gnashing his teeth. Like, this is legit. And so they decide to go to the back of the den where there's a hole that they can escape. And Amos is waiting. He's he's got his gun, he's shooting at him, and they retreat back in. And Liz's like, you know what? Fuck this, boys. I'm going to grab some brush. I'm going to throw it on top of that bitch. I'm going to light it up. I'm going to smoke you fuckers out. Yeah, Amos tries to smoke him out. And so it seems like this is where it's all going to end. Yeah, this is like straight out of Vietnam. Yeah. Can't fucking kill off an old dog, but you can have some 
foxes get smoked out of a hole. <laughs> I mean, that's not too dark. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because weren't we talking to, when we were guesting on Tom Morrow's, was it Cole that was saying that part of the movie scared him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Hi, Cole. How's it going? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, they end up jumping through the planes yeah. to escape because they know they can't go towards Copper. And I don't remember what happened. I know Vixie's still following him. Yeah. Vixie's following him. They run up to, like, a waterfall and they jump up and over to try and throw off the smell. And they're on this, like, log. Yeah. And they're pretty much to safety now. Yeah. Copper and Amos chase after them. They're up, and they're right to where that log is at the yeah. waterfall. And the shit. They're about to hit him. the fan. Yeah. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, this bear just fucking comes out of nowhere yeah. and starts attacking him because Amos is... He dropped his gun. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. He dropped his gun. So, then Copper is trying to fend off this bear. and this, It's fucking great. This just turns into the revenant, you guys. Yeah. It's bad. Like, red-ass eyes. <laughs> like, Speed lines, anime bear, gonna get ya. Huge fucking claws, <laughs> teeth. Todd hears Copper is in trouble. And he's like, you go, you go. Like, And he rolls back. He's like, I gotta, I gotta help my boy out, alright? Yeah. This is bullshit. So he runs back and he jumps on the, the bear. And it's such an amazing it's animated really, sequence. Yeah, it's the very... The way the bear is, like, contorting yeah. and then, the, like, Todd curls around him. Yeah, and, like, and how he's moving in between his legs. Yeah. And, like, yeah. The, Jesus uh, Christ. The motion looks look phenomenal. Glenn take it easy. Right. Take it fucking easy. Stop showing off, Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> Glenn. Okay. My girl's soaking this couch. Stop it. It's <laughs> <laughs> gross. Um, so, yeah. So, Todd is fighting off this bear he, the bear steps on this, like, fallen tree trunk yep. that they had used earlier to get away. And the bear is so heavy, though, the tree trunk breaks. Yep. And they, Todd and the bear fall into the river. Yep. In the waterfall, in the river. Yep. We see Todd escape. He's swimming to shore. Right? Yeah. Okay. And at some point, Amos's foot got caught in a trap. Yeah. I don't know when this happened. It was in the midst of the bear fight. Okay. So that's why he was trying to get his gun, but he, he couldn't get it. He set a trap up there, too. Well, I mean, you know, you got to be thorough. Yeah. So anyway, we have Amos who points his gun at Todd yeah. as he's crawling onto the riverbank. Copper's like, no, bro, you can't. Yeah. I'm Kurt Russell. I'm it's stepping in front so of my friend. so sad. He, like, steps in front of him and is like, oh. oh so then Amos blew them both away and... <laughs> a waste of a good hunting the, dog. The, yeah. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. No. So he lets Todd go. Okay. Now we're at Widow Tweed. Or no, we're at Amos Slade's house. Yeah. Widow Tweed is hel- helping take care of him. He's, he's ten- she's tending to him while he's injured. And pretty much he and Chief have switched spots. Like his leg is all fucked up. It's bandaged. Because of that trap. Yeah. And he's in a rocking chair on his that. porch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the trap music. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say to me during the movie? So, so, you turned to me. You know, I, I told a serious face and I said, babe, you know what Amos' favorite music is? And I was like, hillbilly music? Trap music. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Copper is at, yeah, at his barrel and he puts his head down and he's reminiscing and you hear echoes of like when they were kids and it's like, you're my best friend, Todd. And so he's thinking about better days. <laughs> yeah. Think about their friendship. Todd and Vixie, as the picture pans out, are on like a overlook. Yeah, it's like a hilltop. You can see like their silhouette and they're watching the farm. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's the end. That's, that's the end. With the fox and the hound. Hound. Yeah. So. Reception. This made, or excuse me, Disney made $14.2 million dollars. From domestic rentals and thirty nine point nine million domestically overall. Theatrically, yeah. yeah. Uh, international rentals came in at about forty three million, with a lifetime gross of this movie and all releases making sixty three point five million. It's pretty impressive for a twelve million dollar movie. Yeah. <laughs> In 1982, Fox and a Hound won a Golden Screen Award. I don't know. I'll say, do you know what that is? Because I've never heard. No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> uh, and then they end up turning the movie into a series of comic strips for Disney's Treasury of Classic Tales. Yeah. And there's it. also a comic book, which I have not seen. Yeah. And then they, they made a sequel of it, The Fox and the Hound 2, in 2006, which I'm sure is just the peak of quality. 
Uh, from what I've heard, it's still when they're children. Yeah. Like it's in that, that phase. So they rewind it? Yes. And Copper meets a gang of like other dogs. Legit ass dogs. Who like don't want him to be friends with Todd. Nice. And it's just a rehash of nice. what the first movie is. Critics of this movie. <laughs> No. Are many. The critics said these things. <laughs> I'm having trouble with words. Jesus today. Christ. <laughs> Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun Times praised the film, saying, For all its familiar qualities, this movie marks something of a departure for the Disney studio and its movement in an interesting direction. The Fox and the Hound is one of those relatively rare Disney animated features that contains a useful lesson for its younger audiences. It's not just cute animals and frightening adventures and a happy ending. It's also a rather thoughtful meditation on how society determines our behavior. So deep. <laughs> You're goddamn right. Leonard Maltin in his book The Disney Films noted that the fight scene between Copper, Todd, and the Bear received great praise in the animation world. However, Malton felt that the film relied too much on formula cuteness, formula comedy relief, and even formula characterizations. Overall, he considered the film charming, stating that it is warm and brimming with personable characters, and that it approaches the old Disney magic at times. Fair. <laughs> Richard, uh, Richard Corliss of Time praised the film for an intelligent story about prejudice. He argued that the film shows that biased attitudes can poison even the deepest relationships, and the film's bittersweet ending delivers a powerful and important moral message to audiences. I don't really thought about it that way, but that's kind of, yeah, I, I, I could kind of see it, mm -hmm. yeah, but I don't know. Craig Butler from All Movie Guide. Don't know what that is. <laughs> right. Stated that the film was a warm and amusing, if slightly dull, entry in the Disney animated canon. He also called it conventional and generally predictable, with problems in pacing. However, he praised the film's climax and animation, as well as the ending. Fair. And you... Get to go first? Review first today oh, as I pull no. up the rankings. All right. Well, I thought that this was, like I said at the uh, beginning of the review... Or not even review. Our at the beginning of the top well, of the podcast. No, yeah, at the beginning of us talking about the movie, it's pretty mediocre. I think it's thoroughly mediocre. I would say it takes a couple of major things from Bambi, like we said at the beginning, with his mother being shot and he, him being left as an orphan, and then also orphan. Yes, I know. Writing parents is super tough, guys. Um, but yeah, and, and then aside from that, the. Uh, the near end when he meets Vixie and how she is just kind of a non-entity of a character. She's a manic Vixie dream girl. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the kid stuff between uh, Copper and Todd was cute, and I like that. I don't really have a problem with any of the voice acting. It was all solid. Mickey Rooney and Kurt Russell were fine. Even Corey um, I didn't mind Amos. And, like, Chief was okay, but I think that was, that was my biggest problem with the movie. It's just okay. Nothing really blew me away. Aside from like um, the the very beginning, I like the opening a lot. Like yeah. I said, like with with the credits. Like I know you said you don't like when it goes super long with the credits at the beginning because it can kind of drag and you want it to kind of get into the movie quicker. But with this, I liked it a lot. Like with not really any music, just the sounds. Like and, and as long as you can have something that looks cinematic and it looks nice, you know, and, and creates a mood, I'm down with that. Like I like that a lot. So, but aside from that, and and like uh, the last person said, uh, probably the last third of the movie, I would say, with uh, the hunting stuff and the bear and the very end, just it uh, it didn't really strike me that much. So I just yeah, mediocre. Yeah. So one of the words that you just said stuck out to me, which was cinematic. Yeah. Which. Which, if the old guy, you say this is the last one the old guys worked on? Yeah. Now, do you think that the cinematic nature of that would be because of more input from the younger guys? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because what I was going to say was when we watched The Rescuers and we accidentally put in Rescuers 2. Yeah. And it started off very similarly with this, like, kind of atmospheric, like, there's just nature noises yeah. and then it starts. Um, I... I Kind of want to say, just presuming that this feels like Don Bluth. Yes. The opening felt like yeah, Yes. Like, it feels like these young animators are not just doing animation, but now they're bringing in, like, cinema. Like, yeah, cinematography. Yeah, like, like, they're treating this like a live-action film, but drawn. Yep. And so, 
I do hate when the credits go on for way too long, but this felt like they were really setting the tone, setting the mood of the beginning, so that when the music starts after it's panned and you've had these noises, like, you know right away, like, something's wrong. Yeah. And it reminded me of The Thing. Like, when we first watched The Thing. Yeah, how the it's dog. very dark and then, like, suddenly, like, something happens really fast. Yeah. Another Kurt Russell joint. Yes. <laughs> so, the opening, I think, is, is fantastic. I... Did not like a lot of the saccharine stuff that was happening. Yeah. Like, between, especially when Widow Tweed was talking to Todd, I was, like, rolling my eyes. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Okay. Granted, I talked to my dog, like, oh, there's she Yes, you do. And, and she is ridiculous. Yeah, but just the Widow Tweed, like, I didn't really like her as a character. She didn't have a lot of depth either. No. Her or Amos. They were very just kind of surface level. Amos is fun to root against in a like, oh my god, you're just this like backwoods hunter. Yeah, but I mean he's guy. he's just like an archetype. He is. You know? Yes. But it's an archetype that you like to root against. Well, fair. I don't I like his uh, his style. Yeah. I like the way his 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 character. Yeah. I like his character design. That's what I'm looking for. But yeah, I feel this movie was best in its serious parts. Mm-hmm. So when you had that tension of when Todd comes to see Copper after he's grown up yeah. and he's like, like, get out of here. Like, I know we were friends, but leave. Like, I, I like when it takes that serious turn. I, well, I love the bear scenes. <laughs> God damn it. I love Glenn Keane so much, you guys. And his daughter uh-huh. who works for, who worked for Disney. She yeah. did a lot of the Rapunzel stuff. Jesus Christ, that whole family. <laughs> Glenn Keane is the son of... I cannot remember his dad's name. His dad made Family Circus. <laughs> the comic strip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, they're just a whole talented family. Like Richard? Richard Keene? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Nevertheless. Charles? Anyway. I'm going to echo what you say. Because even the See, music... See, we need to... I, I, know, I, 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 know. I know. We're not doing this by design. I told her the other day that I, I kind of kind of dislike that we're agreeing so much lately. Because I, I felt like, especially early on... You know, that we would have some legitimate differences and disagreements. And, like, I don't want you guys to think Basically that, just Bambi. Yeah. Or not Bambi. Bambi and Dumbo. Dumbo. Those are the big ones. But, like, yeah, we've, we've been, like, lockstep lately for do, a while. I do wonder. So, I was not sick yesterday, but I woke up exhausted. Yeah. Like, I couldn't stay awake. And so, I was falling asleep during this movie. Granted, this is another movie I know front to back. Yep. Because I've seen it so many times as a kid. But I just felt like I like this movie, I think. It's just missing something. Yeah. There's just like something extra that it doesn't have. No, it's like, it's like I said earlier, it's half measures. If it was more serious. It's part Bambi. Yeah. And part Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. And it's just, it's missing something. Yeah. Even with the, the new animators putting their special touches on the actual production. Yeah. Which it looks great. It's got great backgrounds, mm-hmm. and the xerography isn't as noticeable as it used to be. No, I don't think so. I think, I think they're definitely kind of hitting their stride as far as that goes. They're tinting it. They're, like, making it more of a gray instead of a black line, mm-hmm. so it's not so dark. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought this movie would impact me emotionally more than it did just yeah. from childhood, but it, yeah, mediocre. <laughs> so we look at our rankings. Yeah. All right. Well, I reviewed first, so you are going to rank first. Yeah. I think I'm going to put it behind Sword in the Stone. So that would make it 20th, which is feels really low. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about the movie is the pace. It yeah. went really fast. Yeah. Really fast. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, even when we were when I was recapping it, I felt like, like man, this just breezed by. <laughs> so, yeah, it went by real fast. So, yeah, I'm going to put it after Sword in the Stone because I feel like Jungle Book, Sword in the Stone... Fun and fancy free melody time aristocrat. Like, that's the grouping that it's in. In that it doesn't really stand out to me. But Sword in the Stone was a little more imaginative. And Jungle Book is just better. Yeah. Yeah. So 20th. It feels like I'm really ranking it low. It is what it is, babe. It's it's like in the middle. Yeah. I mean, we're 31 movies. Yep. 20. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because my other movies, like... Like, Robin Hood is so much better. Like, funnier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the first time you see a lot of some of those voice actors. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just... 20th feels right. 
I'm going to go higher, but I'm going to echo similar sentiments. Uh, I'm also going to put it, I'm actually going to put this in front of Sword in the Stone, but behind Jungle Book. So it's going to be number 16 for me, which I think is pretty, it's solidly in the middle yeah. of everything that we've done. So yeah, I think that's pretty fair. It's not, it's not as good as the Jungle Book overall. I thought Peace Dragon uh, was a better movie. And like she said with Robin Hood. And then once you actually get above Robin Hood for me, then you're getting to like Ichabod and Toad, mm-hmm. which is absolutely better than this. And then, you know, the classics. Yeah. So I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. You know, I look at this and I'm like, man, I put Reluctant Dragon so high in the beginning. Yeah. And now it's just in there. Yeah. It's just in there. See, see what happened? See what happened? Shut up. <laughs> So yeah, that was The Fox and the Hound, which, again, maybe I was just tired, but I, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. You know what you're not going to be disappointed about? The motherfucking Black Cauldron. That movie's going to be terrible. It might be, but... Everyone... Like, I, everyone has been telling us that it's going to be god-awful, and I'm doing my best not to go in the other direction and be like, oh, well, I think, you know, I'm going to hot take it, and this is going to be actually like an underrated classic. Like, nothing like that, but I will say... In a movie that we watched a while ago, and I can't remember which one it was, it had a preview or some clips from The Black Cauldron, Mm -hmm. and I thought, what the fuck is this? Like, I was really intrigued just based on the colors and things like that. So, I I don't know anything about it. I'm going in completely fresh. I haven't read, like, any reviews. I know what people think about it, but I'm... I know what everyone thinks about it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to say that I'm excited, but I'm curious. I'm definitely curious about next week. Yeah. And then we have a Silly Symphonies. We haven't had it in a while. Yeah. Winter. Yeah. It's just called Winter. So we'll see how that goes. Which I don't really want any more to do with Winter <laughs> at this point. We're almost out of it. Anyway, subscribe, rate, review. You can tweet us at DTB Disney or send me a message on Instagram or on Facebook. Someone left us a lovely comment on Facebook. Really? Yeah. I'll Not shitting it. on us? <laughs> no, it was a really nice comment. Okay. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. And tell all your friends and family and acquaintances and even people that you don't like. Yeah, especially people you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> because as hey, you Hey, asshole, know, I got a podcast for you. Anyway, this has been Let's Get Down to Business. Where? When Disney is our business, and business is good. Bye. Bye. Bye.